Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she is traveling. Today, I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system, including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today, we're going to explore health, harmony, and awakening through Ayurveda. Today, I'm joined by Vishnu Das, an Ayurvedic practitioner and herbalist, and the owner and director of Blue Lotus Ayurveda. He received his Ayurvedic training under the guidance of Dr. Vasant Ladd, and is a graduate of the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Having served on the board of directors for the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, he remains an honorary lifetime practitioner member. He teaches extensively on Ayurveda and yoga philosophy for schools of clinical herbalism, as well as yoga retreat centers and teacher training programs. His knowledge in both Eastern and Western herbal traditions combined with years of clinical practice, comes together in his practical and inspired new book, Ayurvedic Herbology, East and West. You can learn more about Vishnu Das and his book at his website, bluelotusayurveda.com. 
Welcome, Vishnu Das. I'm delighted that you can join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thanks, Laurel. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Before we begin to enter into a dialogue about health, harmony, and awakening through Ayurveda, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Om. Let's open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone within us, around us, and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention move from the periphery of our awareness to the depths. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow, not trying to change it, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being, pervading the mental field, pervading the emotional nature, and pervading the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. We're continuing our summer series on the Yoga Hour on complete well-being, and we'll be looking at insights and practices from Ayurveda that can enhance our well-being on every level. Lahiri Mahasaya, often referred to as the father of Kriya Yoga, said, The mind is the connection between the self and the senses. The body is a holy temple. God as soul is the indwelling deity. One who is enlightened knows this. When we are awake to our own divinity, it is natural to love and care for our body temple. When we are healthy on all levels, we are more able to accomplish our worthwhile purposes in the world and to enjoy life. As sister sciences based in Samkhya philosophy, Ayurveda and yoga share an understanding that enlightenment and a holistic approach to a healthy mind and body go hand in hand. Each one supports the other. 
Vishnu Das, what's your view on the spiritual and holistic foundation of Ayurveda? Well, I often refer to Ayurveda and yoga as really being a part of the same science, that same ancient Vedic science. And it's implied, it was implied in ancient times that that this knowledge uh, of Ayurveda was uh, there as a support and a foundation for life from early on. The first tendencies that we... um, we receive the first impressions that we receive are from our parents and um, and how they live. And if we uh, see that, we can emulate that in a healthy way. And by the time we would have come to sadhana, yoga practice, spirit, in spiritual pursuit, th- these types of good impressions would already be in place. Um, you know, a natural synchronization with biological rhythm, um, good healthy sleep patterns, and, you know, uh, healthy habits and routines around just daily life, nutrition. And so <clears throat> I think that Ayurveda is essential. Some basic knowledge of Ayurveda and uh, daily uh, lifestyle and dietary routines, simple uh, practical types of tips that Ayurveda can offer can serve as a, a, an important and necessary foundation for the practice of, of yoga um, because it becomes much easier to stabilize the mind and develop a sattvic nature in our yogic practices and move towards a a stability within ourselves uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually um, when the doshas are in alignment, when they're in alignment. And uh, Mm. yoga practices work to this end. But if we only, if we do yoga practices but neglect so many, so many other of the aspects of our lives, then it, uh, yoga practice uh, meets uh, an obstacle, you know. Uh, and it, the, the goal in Ayurveda is the same as in yoga. We say that the, the definition of health is swasta, to abide in ourselves, to abide in our true nature uh, and move towards that and abide in that more and more, you know. Um, and the, the swa is this truth this nature, and the sta is the establishment in that self. So mm-hmm. really being established in self is swasta, and swasta really is the goal and is uh, synonymous with yoga or yoking or union, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. So they really are working in the same way. And um, rather than, I, I, I say that they're sister science, but they're really uh, fused together mm. as one science, you know, just different aspects, different facets of one yeah. complete system, uh, Sanatan Dharma. Hmm. Well, that's lovely. Many of our listeners are familiar with the gunas, <clears throat> one of which you just mentioned. Uh, these are the quality of nature, and you mentioned uh, sattva guna, uh, or luminosity. There's also rajas guna, uh, which... Um, is activity and tamas guna, which is inertia, and then you also mentioned uh, the three the do, the doshas. Um, so many people may be familiar with this due to the growing popularity of Ayurveda. But the three doshas that form individual constitution are vata, which is associated with movement, pitta, associated with metabolism, 
and kapha associated with cohesion. Um, listeners may be less familiar with the five element theory. So what is the five element theory and how does it relate to the gunas and the doshas? <clears throat> well, the, the elements, uh, the elements relate to the doshas because each of the three doshas is primarily made up of two elements. So we have akash or space and air, vayu, which com- that uh, makes up the vata dosha primarily. Uh, pitta is fire and water, and kapha is primarily water and earth element. And so this combination of elements makes up the three doshas or bodily humors, or psychophysiological energetic principles. And they, th- these, these doshas, these humors, are containers in a sense. They're containers of quality in all of nature. We're surrounded by air, fire, water, and earth. These are perceivable elements that we, that we are in interaction with every day. The five elements in Ayurveda make up the, 20, the 10 pairs of opposites. We call them 20 gunas, right? These are the Ayurvedic gunas, but they are hot, cold, dry, moist, rough, smooth. You know, these, these, these qualities relate to activity that we do. They relate to the food that we, we have on a daily basis that we partake in. Any activity, any substance, any seasonal change, everything that we experience in nature has quality. Even herbs have quality. Some are heavy, some are light, some are moistening, some are drying, you know? So Ayurveda is based on five elements. Five elements have quality. These qualities translate to dosha. So vata being in the energy of movement is governed by cold, dry, light, rough, pitta, hot, sharp, oily, spreading, kapha, heavy, cold, wet, static. So these, these qualities relate to dosha. Mm-hmm. Now, if we want, we look in the yoga system, we have the three gunas or modes of nature, sattva, rajas, and tamas, as you uh, described nicely just a moment ago. If we want to bring these modes of nature into balance, then when we bring the doshas in our own body into balance and we live more in harmony with the qualities of nature, if it's summer season and it's hot and we, we protect the internal heat of our body, then that internal heat works properly. If it's out of balance, it disturbs the metabolism in one way or another. If this metabolism is disturbed by any of the three doshas, okay, if Mm -hmm. it's disturbed on any level, then it can bring disruption to the digestive fire, an accumulation of toxicity in the body, and it can lead towards uh, imbalance and the disease, the, the start of the disease process. So if we balance the doshas in relation to the elements in the pairs of opposites in nature through very simple and practical ways, then it becomes easier for us to stabilize ourselves in accordance to this, uh, the three gunas that we deal with in the yoga system. So if, our, if, if we have more health, we'll have more stability emotionally. We'll be able to stabilize our mind easier. If thought is out of balance, the mind can become overly anxious, fearful, restless. 
if pitta is out of balance, it can create irritability, uh, it can uh, generate more anger or volatility emotionally. Uh, if, if kapha is out of balance, it can lead also to its own emotional disturbances, a more heavier form of de- type depression or other types of metabolic imbalances. And so in yoga, we're wanting to balance, we want to develop sattva guna, and the other gunas, rajas and tamas, support our movement towards sattva if we are doing yoga. And yes. they become balanced that way. If it becomes easier to do that, that process of yoga practice or yoga sadhana, if the doshas are in balance, and that requires us to have some basic knowledge of the foods we're eating, the activities we are performing, even the work that we do for a living, and how we can bring balance to that to create a healthy container and foundation for yoga practice. Hmm? For the, for the balance of the gunas and the development further on of involution of our own uh, spiritual process. Yes, indeed. Um, the uh, thing, one of the things I really appreciate about Ayurveda is the uh, recognition that everything is in, is changing. Everything is in flux. And so, as you mentioned, um, there are, you know, changes in the seasons there are changes in our in our um you know the seasons of our lives um and mm-hmm. you know as as time moves on and as our bodies um you know also age different things become important and so it's not as though you can say oh i'm a you know pitta constitution and therefore i always do this it's that it it's mm-hmm. much more complex than that absolutely it's a good point um, you know, there's many different things that govern um, this approach towards health in Ayurveda. And knowing your constitution, prakriti, whether or not you're predominant in one dosha or a dual dosha or in a rare case, three doshas, is only one aspect of Ayurveda. And oftentimes when people come in, they'll have imbalances in other doshas or dual doshic or tridoshic conditions. And so Ayurveda is a medical system in that way. And, and these doshas are used much, in a much more complex manner. Um, general, uh, general presentation of Ayurveda, especially in the West, is, hey, what's your dosha? Well, I'm a vata constitution. And so we, we try to shoehorn ourselves into overly simplified food lists and overly simplified general ideas of management. This can be helpful to an extent. If a person is truly one dosha predominant, Oh, it looks like perhaps we've lost uh, Vishnu Das. Um, and while we are uh, getting back, um, I think we will go ahead and uh, go to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Vishnu Das. You can learn more about him and his new book, Ayurvedic Herbology East and West, at bluelotusayurveda.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien and discussing health, harmony, and awakening through Ayurveda. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text UNITY RADIO. 
1-800-242-72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Pop culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central. 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Vishnu Das, who is an Ayurvedic practitioner and herbalist and the author of his newest book, Ayurvedic Herbology East and West. Today we are discussing the Ayurvedic approach to health. In the yoga tradition, there is an understanding that although everyone shares life's main purpose, which is to awaken to our true nature as spirit or supreme consciousness, each one of us has a unique svadharma to fulfill. 
our unique way of contributing to the wholeness of life. Similarly, through although Ayurveda offers many general guidelines for healthy living that apply to everyone, Ayurveda also emphasizes an individualized approach to maintaining and improving our health based on our, our individual constitution, our prakriti. So right before the break, we were talking about also the aging uh, process, which also I think touches on this question of, of individualization. Can you talk more about this individualized approach to well-being in Ayurveda? And in particularly where we kind of left off was, you know, how do things change as we age? Well, as we age, we will experience more of an increase uh, by and large by vata dosha as we become 50, 55 and older, the vata dosha predominates. I call it the season of our, the vata season of our life. Mm. But there are other factors that can uh, influence how we might go about in our daily management and uh, or in our seasonal management of, of our own constitution. For instance, if somebody is, has a secondary vata nature and their pitta predominant, as they get older, they may notice more of their vata nature than, say, somebody who was a pitta predominant with a secondary kapha, who might notice their metabolism slowing down a little bit more uh, and feel more kaphagenic in some ways, you know? So secondary dosha can also start to rear its head a little bit, so to speak, uh, as we get older, you know, and our metabolism slows down. Uh, a secondary vata person might take weight off a little easier than they used to and maybe even too much, whereas a, a secondary kapha person might gain a little where they didn't have it before. And there's, you know, this is just general. There, there's a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can influence um, our, our system. But these are just a couple different ideas. As the, as the, as the seasons of our life change, so does, so, so does the way that we manage and um and where we put emphasis. And Ayurveda is a very living and breathing system, and I don't like to even rigidly follow seasonal regime more than when we follow our own sense of what is appropriate for us. But at first, the guidelines that Ayurveda offers is the safest and quickest way to bring us back into balance, balance the constitution. But ultimately, what we're working towards is a conversation with our body a conversation with everything that's going on, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, just a very, very deep communication. And the balance of the dosha, the cleansing of our body, the removal of excess toxicity, all of this helps the cell, the prana, the movement of consciousness to move from one cell to another, one channel, tissue, organ. And so the body starts to have a conversation with itself and we with it. Well, that's really lovely, the body having a, a conversation. And of course, it's our awareness, <clears throat> our awareness of our, you know, ourself and our tuning in to our own internal uh, signals, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, Svadhyaya, the self-study, you know, part of uh, Kriya Yoga um, that involves, you know, being aware of, for example, if we eat a certain food or we do a certain activity, watch a certain TV show, for example, <laughs> Um, to notice mm-hmm. afterwards, like, well, what effect, you know, does that have uh, on our body? If we watch a, you know, a, a you know, a TV show with a lot of, uh, you know, 
guns and explosions and do we feel you know restless you know after that is that was that potentially the best thing to do right before going to sleep and, and that sort of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah everything that we take in uh through our food our air our water and um through our senses reading books seeing movies doing having conversations with other people um and the you know the types of social environment that we have uh, all is food you know and, uh, and if we pay more attention to that, then, you know, our prana our, uh, becomes clear, our mind becomes clear. Uh, if we pay more attention to that, our, the subtle essence of pitta, we call tejas, this bright flame of intelligence within our body becomes brighter. And our mm-hmm. immunological essence, um, ojas, becomes strong. And this prana, tejas, nojas, these are kind of the refined essences of the dosha. And when they are balanced, our cravings become more balanced. Our, des- our desires become more streamlined to what naturally brings peace to us, it, which, which naturally moves us closer to swasta. It, it, you know, it, we have to sometimes wrangle ourselves with Kriya Yoga practice, with different techniques, pranayama, asana, meditation, you know, diet, diet lifestyle. All these things are to kind of bring us Give us a method, a way to bring ourselves back. But ultimately, once the once we develop that 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 process, the samskara, the tendency for it becomes strong. We naturally start to build momentum, and that's the beauty of Ayurveda, and that's the real healing aspect of it. Beyond what we say in Ayurveda, beyond the the um, the absence of disease. It, disease may even play a part in this process of swasta. Imbalance plays a part in this swasta because we live in a human body with its frailties and we are subject to imbalance. We are subject to our own mortality. So Ayurveda is a science of health and well-being on a physical level, but it's also a, a spiritual science, a way for us to be able to become pe- at peace with the changes that go on within our body, our ability to accept those things and make the proper steps and adjustments needed to promote as much longevity as needed for us to live a healthy and happy life and to live a spiritually fulfilled life. Hmm? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So we are in the, you know, the uh, high spot of summer, you know, now, um, and we touched on this a little, but obviously, you know, summer it means, you know, it's warmer uh, and also mm-hmm. the foods that are available. There's a lot more fresh uh, produce that's around, you know, for all pretty mm-hmm. much everybody right now. Um, yeah. So what general advice does Ayurveda provide regarding healthy diet and lifestyle <laughs> in the summertime? Good, good question. Appropriate time for it. Uh, summertime. The energy of Agni is at its zenith. And Agni, for those listeners that don't know, is the concept of fire. And Pitta is a container for Agni. And this Agni is extremely high during the summer season. Okay? And it gets higher and higher. And what that external heat does is it opens the surface of our body and we sweat more and we push that that Agni that is within us, our, our own metabolic fire, our own fire in, in our system, uh, sweats out. It goes to the surface, and our digestive fire may, for some, become less. And our immunity towards the end of the summer can get a little low. 
we can feel maybe a little more tired. Uh, it's a, it's, it, it, the summer season can weaken our system a little bit. So in Ayurveda, we say that it's good to protect our body from excess pitta and the accumulation of pitta by eating cooling foods. There's a, some nice ones like coconut oil, co- adding shredded coconut to soups and foods, uh, cilantro, one of the best green foods that we can have to cool our system down, purify the blood, um, coriander and fennel tea, light, um, eating, eating lightly, not putting too much on the digestive fire. Um, we still have nourishing meals, whether it's some cooked, some raw, a balance of both, um, but fruits like pomegranate, melons, apples, red grapes, cherries, things like this, uh, sweeter foods, picking the sweeter fruits and foods that aren't too hot and spicy, avoiding things that are deep fried or uh, just greasy, things that are uh, excessively hot and spicy. Not a little bit of hot and spicy, but excessive. Ancient Ayurveda did not have chili peppers. Chili peppers were brought to in. <laughs> Chili peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, and potatoes were brought by the Portuguese and Spanish to India. So, so what was spicy and pungent in ancient times was kokum, ginger, shunti, dried ginger, things like this, marich, just a little bit of black pepper in the food, garam masala, and, you know, traditionally it was just cinnamon, clove, cardamom, black pepper, and a mixture of these, just a little bit sprinkled on the food after it was cooked. So... The ancient idea of hot and spicy was different than what we get today with Indian food. I always say Ayurvedic isn't necessarily Indian food. It can include that, but it is what's specific to you. So having cooling foods um, and it not accessing in hot spicy foods, not accessing in too much oil, and alcohol, you know? The best, the best meal may not be a hamburger and a glass of beer or a margarita, you know, things like this in the summertime provoke your pitta, okay? Uh So it would be good to have lots of steamed vegetables, lightly sautéed vegetables, you know, a a well-balanced amount of whole grain in the diet, um, you know, good healthy sources of protein that are easy to digest, mungal soup, lentil soup, things like this from on a vegetarian level and on a non-vegetarian level, um, you know, with the help of a practitioner, they can help to select if meat protein is desired or needed in some way that, that could be used as a medicine, but specific to the dosha. But with vegetarian proteins, they're easy to digest, especially red lentil, yellow moon beans, with cilantro, you know, made into like a dal soup with cilantro, um, you know, added to that. Uh, and some slightly cooling teas and drinks. Uh, so there's many different a, ideas. Uh, yeah, those are great ideas. Wonderful uh, to, to uh, um, also really take advantage of all of the you know fresh produce that's in season. Um, in mm-hmm. addition to the diet, you know that you've been talking about. How about activities in the summer? <clears throat> Exercising in the coolest time of day. Nowadays. A lot of different types of exercise programs like CrossFit are very popular, but they tend to be very ballistic in their approach and very, a lot of repetitive motion really heat the body up or people who run long distance or bike a lot. Um, all these activities are, you know, could be in, in balance depending upon how you 
structure your exercise program, but exercising in the dawn hours or at dusk is better than choosing midday in the hot summer sun to go jogging five miles. In Ayurveda, we say exercising to where you break a sweat and you get your, your the body heat going for daily exercise, it's better to do a dawn or dusk. That doesn't mean you can't go hiking midday, but you know, that's not what I'm talking about so much as putting on your jogging shoes and running down the street in your city where you live in the hot summer sun when the heat index is really high coming off the pavement, you're sweating excessively, you know. I don't recommend hot forms of yoga. Typically, I recommend the balance for yoga asana practice. Mm -hmm. But if people do like to go to classes, a lot of classes now, they heat the rooms up, they get things really hot. I don't recommend doing too much of that in the summertime, especially midday, for people that have a lot of heat, maybe lead towards dehydration and just feeling a little bit irritable. It would be better to do a more cooling practice, one that's just done in a comfortable temperature room to where you break a light sweat, and then afterwards you can lay in corpse pose and rest when you need to rather than push too hard. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm a big fan of exercise, but, you know, protecting pitta Exercise dawn, dusk, not excessive, especially when it's very hot or you feel very tired. Yes. So Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, is known for saying that we should do what we know we should do. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard him say this, which is such great <laughs> advice. Um, yeah. there's, there's a fundamental appreciation in Kriya Yoga tradition that we are responsible for arranging conditions for our own well-being. How does Ayurveda view the role of individual responsibility in maintaining a healthy body and mind? It's right in line with yoga and right in line with Roy. My guru used to always say whether it came to, you know, taking care of our body as a yogi or yogini or doing practice that we need, if we want to find pearls, we need to dive deep. We don't Mm -hmm. sit on the beach and wait for them to wash up, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, Ayurveda is very much about self-effort and the grace that can be attained uh, through our practice is in line with our effort, as the yoga fascista says, you know, that, that if we, if, it, that we, we, if we put good food into our body today, tomorrow we will feel the effect, effects of our food. What we ate last month gives us the energy that we have and the immunity and vitality and glow from what we ate last month. So this is the way that the this this cycle of nutrition in the body is a 35-day alchemical process of Mm. transforming what we take into our body into how we feel. So we can't expect to gain any benefit from diet or lifestyle unless we actually practice. And so the practice of Ayurveda on a daily basis, we call it dinacharya, daily routine, the daily road of life, you know. Mm. It really is brahmacharya. Because when you practice Ayurveda, you, have, you commit yourself, you have a sankalpa, you have a commitment to your process, not to judge yourself when you don't meet your expectations. You practice like karma yoga. You feed your body healthy because your body craves and wants healthy food, and if it doesn't, learn about why healthy food is good. Gain the knowledge and practice it. 
But eventually, when the rubber hits the road, you know that eating good is always going to benefit you no matter what. And okay. if you don't eat good on one day and you slip up on your discipline, then you just, you just start again. The next day, the next moment, you just continue to practice. I say it's karma yoga. You have to sort of fake it till you make it sometimes. You know, you do your best. And at times, you get attached to the results. And when things don't come out the way you want, then you, we, become very, we, we may become upset. And rather than being upset that we're upset, we can just redirect our attention to our path mm-hmm. without, without, a, without any more thought of it. You just do it. And eventually, we, 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 start to, we start to crave what's appropriate. We start to want to right. do those things, you know, and the, the positive samskaras or tendencies in the mind tip the scale. Right. You know what I mean? They tip, yeah, they abs- tip the absolutely. scale. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, but it does take it, a certain kick. It does, it does take a certain kick in the butt, so to speak, sometimes to to get ourselves to do that. I mean, that's where tapas in the Kriya Yoga tradition comes into play, you know. Uh, limiting the desires causes it generates a certain amount of heat. It creates a certain I, amount of, of ordeal. But once we move through that, I say 40 days and 40 nights in the desert without refined sugar, then our craving for refined sugar on a biological level goes down. And so it, Great. It really That's is. such good advice, Vishnu Das. And unfortunately, um, I need to just break in there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time yeah. for us to go for a break. You're listening okay. to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Today's guest is Vishnu Das. His website is bluelotusayurveda.com. And here at the Yoga Hour, we do welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We will be right back to further explore Ayurveda with Vishnu Das. Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today, as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. 
Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. My guest today is Vishnu Das, the owner and director of Blue Lotus Ayurveda and the author of Ayurvedic Herbology East and West. In addition, I wanted to mention the uh, program that is coming up at Blue Lotus Ayurveda, uh, which is a program of training as an Ayurvedic wellness counselor. Uh, It's a one-year program, um, including one weekend a month. Uh, and residents there in Asheville, North Carolina, as well as weekly conference calls. So if you want more information about this Ayurvedic wellness counseling program, again, check out the website at bluelotusayurveda.com. So getting back to our discussion, Vishnu Das, about uh, Ayurveda, as a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition, CSE views meditation as an important practice to foster individual and planetary awakening. What's the Ayurvedic view of meditation? Um, Meditation is, uh, from an Ayurvedic view, really the same, again, to come back to harp on this again, is, is really in line with yoga because the system of Ayurveda is dealing and it was developed by the rishis. Okay, so this ancient science was developed by the the the, the uh, parents of the yoga shastra, and so it's already implied that that somebody is practicing uh, their spiritual practice on whatever level that they're doing it. You know, but in Ayurveda, I find that the practice of meditation and the way that I was trained was that. Um, it was it went hand in hand with the yoga practice the the removal of the disease we could say from the yoga system the primal ignorance avidya you know the removal of that disease is is through the method of meditation you know through our own self realization which is the medicine is the cure so really this practice of of ayurveda is not solely focused on the body. Ayurveda says that the four aims of life, kama, desire, artha, prosperity, dharma, duty, and moksha, liberation. And these, of course, are nutshell definitions because you could talk a long time about kama, artha, dharma, moksha. 
these are the four aims. That, these are the four aims of yoga. They're the four aims of life in the in the in the Vedic system, the in the Vedic philosophical system, and they are the four aims of Ayurveda. And these the um, moksha, this liberation, really is this self uh, or God realization that the yogis and yoginis strive for and work towards in their lives. And I say that we can always we can always take the medicine of regular spiritual practice and it'll benefit our healing process so they are mutually supportive of each other. You know, when I started to practice yoga with my guru, Baba Haridas, he taught me about daily routine, about getting my body clean, getting my body balanced, so hard work and exercise and eating good was just as important as pranayama and kriya yoga mm-hmm. and the study mm-hmm. of scripture or anything like that. So they really have, they, they don't have to go together, but if they're not together, you're missing the boat mm-hmm. in a way. Yes. It's not required, you know. I was, my guru once said the best method is no method. But you have, but method helps you to to get to that place of letting go and totally surrendering our mind or surrendering to God, and that's a process, you know. But this method of of Ayurveda will excel yoga practice. It will excel, and the earlier we start in our life, the better. <laughs> but it, but I know people who've come to Ayurveda in their fifties and their sixties and live long, healthy lives because of it. One of my dear friends and guru sisters, uh, Vishnu Priya, was an amazing woman, and she came to yoga and Ayurveda when she was 50 years old, and she practiced these things, and she lived into her 90s, and she ate kitchari as one of her last meals, did meditation that morning. <laughs> you know, she got that, that maha samadhi that way. So I always say that they're great supports for each other. Well, that's great. You just mentioned the the rishis or um, sages um, that originated, you know, the the um, all of the uh, Vedas, the yogic uh, teachings. And one of the other um, things that I wanted to ask about the rishis understood um, that the health of the individual, the health of the one, meant the health of the whole, and vice versa, which obviously touches into a much larger, you know. Uh, question about our relationship to um, to the earth and to our surroundings. So how can Ayurveda help to bring about healing, not only for individuals, but also for the planet? What a beautiful question. And uh, it comes back to that idea of swasta or swasvita, to, to come back to ourselves again and again. And when we are in, in harmony with ourselves, in, in right relationship with ourselves, then that right relationship reflects itself in our reality or our perception of the world, and as a result of that, our connection with others. And so it comes to that cell-to-cell communication, that human-human, heart-to-heart communication that we have as individuals within this great body. And so... If there is a, if there is this deep purificatory experience in our own life process, then we will naturally 
not just instantaneously, but naturally move towards acceptance and tolerance. When we can accept the parts of ourselves, the memories that don't go, we can do yoga, we can achieve liberation from the memory of the experience. That doesn't mean we forget. That means we've fully digested that experience. We've fully come to terms with our own anger, our own fear, our own lack of self-worth. And when we can come into right relationship with ourselves and hold space for that, then we can tolerate others. We can live in community. And it doesn't mean that that will always manifest perfectly because that's impossible. But, what it can, but we can exist in harmony. We can exist together. Uh, you know, when you're playing music, you make mistakes, but the listener doesn't always observe them because the music is beautiful. And so the music of our society, the heart-to-heart, the connection, our heart zone, can be beautiful. We can live in beauty or right relationship, but that has to begin within ourselves. It doesn't mean that we ignore the external while we're working internal. We recognize that we are all in oneness consciousness, but we're not always aware of it. So at first, yamas and niyamas, you know, practicing restraints and observances of the mind, learning to control our anger without suppressing and beating ourselves up and becoming more angry. My guru used to say, gurus that practice non-anger can become the angriest guru. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so this, 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 I, when I'm, I'm not saying deny how you feel. It's just, you know, try to hold, hold your action, of, your reaction to that emotion so you don't create more karma and more pain for others as much as possible. So at first, we practice these rudimentary but very important rungs of yoga but then as, as we start to open in, in superconsciousness, as we start to develop samadhi in our practice, then this is self-manifesting virtue in a sense. These, these, this knowledge of the self, who we are, and our connectedness with the whole starts to unfold in the lower levels of sambragnata samadhi. We start to experience these things. Mm. At first, we, we, even without the lofty terminology of yoga, if we practice yoga every day, we practice Ayurveda every day as best we can for three months, six months, we start to notice the effects. I know you know that. It bites yes. you. It yes. grabs you. It take, you dip your toe in and it pulls your whole body in. You're gone. Um, well, Vishnu Das, and, and, this and, has been and, such a lovely uh, conversation. I've really enjoyed having you on the Yoga Hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, we've Thank come you. to the end of our time. I feel like we could go on talking for quite a bit longer, but uh, mm. um, time is moving on. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah. been. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you, and thank you, Vishnu Das, uh, as well as uh, it's been my pleasure to share this time with our listeners. I'm Dr. Laurel mm-hmm. Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing health, harmony, and awakening through Ayurveda with special guest Vishnu Das. Again, you can find out more about him and his work at bluelotusayurveda.com. There's also an archived Yoga Hour program with Vishnu Das that listeners might appreciate when the weather turns colder. It's from December 13th, 2011, and the title is Thrive in Winter, Principles and Practices for Complete Well-Being. Again, uh, with Vishnu Das, and the interviewer was um, our regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. Join us next week uh, when Yogacharya O'Brien will return 
the uh, title of the session is The Power of Our Word, and uh, this, the guest is Ron Lindon. For information about CSE, please visit csecenter.org. And remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is on the road. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary brain repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Ever know 
notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 